During Robert Brogdon's Olathe Buick GMC clearance event, save up to 20% on new models like the 2023 Buick Encore GX or GMC Sierra 1500. View their huge inventory at robertbrogdon.com and find your perfect match. Garrettson and Toth presents The Shift with Jack Johnson on ESPN Kansas City, 1510 AM and 94.5 FM. It is Monday, and it's another edition of The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. I'm your host, Jack Johnson, alongside Marco Marquez. Shout out to our presenting sponsors, starting with Garrettson and Toth. They handle the most complex felony, federal, or state criminal defense cases. You'll find them in doing that successfully, helping criminal defendants all over the Kansas City area and Northeast Kansas for years. Also, be sure to visit Kim Howard and Associates Agency at 150 Metcalf in Overland Park, or give Kim and her team a call at 913-649-2002. That's 913-649-2002 for a quote on your home and auto insurance today. And if you call that number and mention that you heard their ad here on The Shift, they will give you a free $10 gift card to Starbucks. Use on coffee, tea, breakfast items, whatever you want, because it's your $10. All you got to do is mention that you heard their ad here on The Shift and call that number at 913-649-2002. Plenty to get into today, and I don't think we need to dance around of what we're going to talk about. Of course, it'll be the Kansas City Chiefs moving on to their third Super Bowl in the last four years after beating the Cincinnati Bengals 23-20 to last night. Uh, a truly thrilling game, a game that had a lot of intensity, a lot of emotions up and down, a roller coaster, and I think that we all understood that would be the case going into this game. It was never going to be easy, even if the Chiefs started fast, which they did. The Bengals were going to make their run. There was going to be a point in the game in which Cincinnati felt like they were going to win the game or the crowd knew, or had that eerie feeling that Cincinnati was going to go win the game. That happened a couple of times in the second half. The, oh no, not again, mentality completely surrounded Arrowhead Stadium. This feels a lot like last year. Chiefs had a big lead, crowd was rocking, and then here comes Cincinnati. And there's so much praise to go around for the Kansas City Chiefs. You can start up top with this coaching staff. Having this team so prepared, so focused to take on a Cincinnati team that bludgeoned Buffalo the week before in Orchard Park and in the snow. Well, I don't think anybody in their right mind would have taken Cincinnati less serious or mocked Cincinnati or didn't feel confident in Cincinnati after what happened last week. I wouldn't have blamed anybody for taking Cincinnati outright at Kansas City because they played a Buffalo team in Orchard Park, revved up crowd, snow on the ground. It felt like Cincinnati season very well could end right then and there. But Buffalo wasn't even close to matching their talent, their intensity, their quarterback play, their coaching skills, and Cincinnati ran them out of their own building. So going into this game, I thought, man, it's hard to play perfect back-to-back weeks. But Cincinnati doesn't need to play absolutely perfect to win this game. Kansas City's a little bit banged up. Patrick Mahomes had the gimpy ankle. Then all of a sudden, Travis Kelsey's dealing with a back injury, back spasms, that is. And we saw as this game progressed, players were dropping like flies. You know, you lose Juju Smith-Schuster. You know, you lose Kadarius Toney early on. McCole Hardman's then out. And one of the final drives for the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes completed the pass to Marcus Kemp. Marcus Kemp wasn't on the roster in October. That's how depleted this receiver group was by the end of it. But it also shows the resiliency and how the great ones can usually overcome. You take away some top weapons from even great quarterbacks in this league. You know, you take Keenan Allen and Mike Williams away from Justin Herbert. What does the Chargers offense look like? You take Austin Eckler away from Justin Herbert. What does this offense look like? You know, Lamar Jackson doesn't have much to begin with, but you take away Mark Andrews. What does Baltimore's offense look like? Hell, you take away Jamar Chase. Cincinnati struggled this year without Jamar Chase on the field. And no, the Kansas City offense wasn't a well-oiled machine with those guys out, but still, you had some guys step up. No, MVS had a career game. MVS earned his contract last night. I don't care 
what MVS does for the next two years if he stays here for the rest of his contract. I really don't. It's kind of that same Sammy Watkins feel. Remember when Sammy Watkins, back in the Super Bowl run in 2019-2020, he had a great AFC title game, and he had a fantastic Super Bowl, and everybody went, that's enough for me. right? He can miss games the next year. He can bottom out in Kansas City because he already earned his contract. To me, MVS did not have a bad year at all, and he's one of the main guys I want to praise because there was some criticism this year. You know, he couldn't really catch the deep ball. He wasn't synced up with Patrick Mahomes. But, man, what a breakout game for MVS last night. He had six catches for 116 yards and a touchdown. And you know what? He could have had about 160 if Patrick Mahomes didn't throw behind him on one of his crossing routes about 15 yards down the field because he would have caught it and had plenty of room to space, plenty of room in space. I mean, he was a top weapon last night for Patrick Mahomes. More so than Travis Kelsey. And this team is always a next man up type of mentality. It happens with their offensive line. It happened with their defense. Hell, it happened early on in their secondary. Now, Legereus Sneed goes down with a concussion or a head injury. And before you know it, you're looking at this secondary. There are three rookies on the field. Joshua Williams, Jalen Watson, and Trent McDuffie. They are going up against the three best receivers for Cincinnati and arguably the best trio in the NFL. Chase, Higgins, Boyd. And the Chiefs have three rookies, two of which were drafted after the third round. Joshua Williams, a fourth-round pick out of Fayetteville State. Jalen Watson, a sixth-round pick. I mean, it's just it's absurd to think about. It's absolutely absurd that this young secondary held their own against the Bengals team that thrashed them the first time around. And then you go to guys like Chris Jones, who looked so damn motivated this week, ending his final press conference with, with, we'll see you at Burrowhead. And then having tears roll down his face during the national anthem. You felt like Chris Jones was due for something special. And Chris Jones is a guy that everybody just kind of scratched their head at questioned why he hadn't had a postseason sack he gets two last night he pressured Joe Burrow 10 times in the game of his 10 pressures the Bengals never gained a positive yard he also had a win rate a success rate over 27 percent elite is around 20 Chris Jones had a win percentage a successful win rate over 27% or twenty-seven percent last night. He just had the most dominant game I think I've ever seen from a Chiefs defender in the postseason. I can't recall another time a Chiefs defender went that nuclear in a game. I mean, he was winning his one-on-one matchups. He was beating double teams. Chris Jones was the MVP last night. Chris Jones is the reason the Chiefs are going to be playing Philadelphia in the Super Bowl. I mean, let's go back to that final drive that the Bengals had. The Chiefs just punted from the Cincinnati 40. And you feel like, man, I I know Harrison Butker's likely not going to make a 57-yarder into the wind, and it's 4th and 12, so you're kind of at no man's land. It just felt like a losing play. You're not even trying to get points. And yes, if Harrison Butker misses, you set Cincinnati up perfectly to go win the game once again. And the Chiefs felt like, hey, our defense has played really well. We can trust them one more time. So you punt the ball back. Cincinnati picks up a third and long, and you go, dang, here we go again. Cincinnati's going to drive the length of the field, set up Evan McPherson, who's never missed a postseason kick, to send the Bengals to the Super Bowl for the second consecutive year, and on Arrowhead Stadium grass. They'll be the ones hoisting the Lamar Hunt trophy. They will be the ones celebrating and mocking the Kansas City Chiefs and their fans. But then on a big and critical third down, inside third and ten, Chris Jones lining up outside beats Hakeem Adeniji one-on-one and sacks Joe Burrow for the second time in the game. And all of a sudden, the momentum completely flipped because you're going, now you give the ball back to Patrick Mahomes with time to spare. All he needs is a couple of plays, assuming it's a big punt return, and that leads us to us to our next guy, Sky Moore. Sky Moore 
who had one of the more underachieving rookie seasons of anybody in that Chiefs draft class. You know, in training camp, we're talking about Sky Moore being a number two and number three. Never lived up to it. Then he muffed three punts this year. And yet Dave Tobe, Andy Reid, everybody on that coaching staff trusted Sky Moore to come through when it mattered most. And he has a 29-yard punt return that sets the Chiefs up right around midfield. Right around midfield, where all you need is about two or three plays. And Sky Moore gets out of bounds, didn't try to do too much, just ran between the blocks, got to the sideline, got to the numbers, because you don't want to take a chance that you fumble, anything like that. Chiefs weren't flagged for a block in the block in the back, or holding, or tripping. Perfectly executed by the special teams unit, which has been abysmal this year. Sky Moore gets out of bounds. And the Chiefs run a couple of plays, and it ends with Patrick Mahomes scrambling on third and four, getting the first down, and Joseph Asai uh, just makes a boneheaded play in the moment. A two-handed shove of Patrick Mahomes while he's five feet out of bounds, tack on 15 more yards, making it a 41-yard field goal, I believe it was, for Harrison Butker to go and win the game. 45, excuse me. So that extra 15 yards made it a 45-yard field goal, far more manageable going into that wind instead of 60. Now, the Chiefs would have had one more play, but who knows You know how much they would have gained on that. Uh, just a brutal, costly mistake that reminds you of the Vontez Burfick personal foul that set, I believe, the Steelers up to win the game way back in 2015. I mean, the Bengals had been nearly flawless in that regard of not shooting themselves in the foot when playing the Chiefs. They very few times in those previous three matchups shot themselves in the foot. And that was about as bad as it gets. And you can complain about it being a ticky-tack call. He didn't really shove Mahomes that hard. Well, here's the thing. Smart quarterbacks know how to sell things. Tom Brady was very good at it. You know, I I would say even in today's game, I think Josh Allen's pretty good at it. Patrick Mahomes is elite at it. And you know what? Why would you not try to sell it in that moment? He understood where the marker was. He knew he picked up the first down. But he knew with about seven or eight seconds, you needed a cheap call. And I wouldn't even say it's a cheap call. That's textbook. That is a textbook late hit on Joseph Asai. And Joseph Asai, a 22-year-old kid, shouldn't be crucified for a play like that. He really shouldn't be. And Marco gives me the horns down because Asai is, of course, from the University of Texas. But the adrenaline's pumping through your veins. You're chasing Patrick Mahomes. You're trying to get there before he reaches the first down marker. And he's likely just in the moment. It's not a smart play. I'm not trying to make excuses for him, but there were a lot of mistakes that the Bengals had that set him up to be in that position. No, the Bengals offense had the ball with two minutes to go. A chance to go win the game. Couldn't get it, could it, get it done. The offensive line. Had a bad night for the Bengals, but everybody's going to point back to that late hit by Joseph Asai. Shoving Patrick Mahomes 15 more yards, and the Chiefs didn't waste any time. Sent Harrison Butker out there, and he kicked the game-winning 45-yard field goal. He was perfect on the night, by the way. And how about that? About a month ago, we had a segment on here debating whether Harrison Butker could be trusted in the postseason. Can't believe we ever doubted him. He just has the big-time mentality. Big-time players make big-time plays, in big-time games, is that it? I know I mixed around the words, but you get the point. He stepped up when it mattered most. When the brights were the lightest, Harrison Butker didn't cower away from it and drills the 45-yarder to send the Chiefs to their third Super Bowl in four years. It's a laundry list of guys that you can give credit to in winning this game. Top of the list, Chris Jones. Number two, I'm going to add all three guys in Jalen Watson, Trent McDuffie, and Joshua Williams. I mean, yes, there were some plays where uh, Jamar Chase took advantage in double coverage. T. Higgins Moss, Jalen Watson, but Jalen Watson had his second interception in as many weeks. Trent McDuffie had two pass breakups, two big pass breakups, and also was great in the tackling game. Joshua Williams had an interception that was tipped by Brian Cook, another rookie safety. The Chiefs' rookies had 249 defensive snaps last night. This is a team playing in the AFC Championship game. And that's probably the most frightening thing of this Chiefs team. They didn't win last night with a group of guys they went out and acquired at the deadline 
you know, I know trades aren't as common in the NFL, but they didn't sell their souls to the devil like the Rams did. The Rams went all in, put all their chips to the table, and said, we need a Super Bowl now. We're trading away draft picks. We're old, but we're going to go win it. They got the ring. But as we saw this year, the Rams were not built to have sustained success. The frightening thing about the Chiefs is that in their most dire draft, the draft they needed to be perfect on, they got a lot of impact starters. I mean, you think about it. The guys that showed up last night, rookies, let's go down the list. Tread McDuffie, you know, was asked to be defending T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. Was not torched, held his own. Great tackling, two pass breakups. George Karloftis, he had a sack last night. He was one of, I believe it would be three Chiefs to get a sack last night. You get Chris Jones with two and a half. Willie Gay had half a sack. Uh... He had a sack. Karlovitz had a sack. So I think it was three. I think it was four and a half or five and a half on the night, unless I'm blanking on one. But George Karloftis, one of the guys that has come on of late, he gets a sack last night. So your two first-round picks make a big-time play. Okay, let's go to second round. Sky Moore. Sky Moore wasn't great in the receiving game, but he had the best punt return of the season. The last punt return the Chiefs had was the biggest one. A 29-yard return that set the Chiefs up to only run two or three plays and get Harrison Butker on the field to kick the game-winning field goal. Let's go with Joshua Williams. Joshua Williams had an interception. Right, Brian Cook was the guy that tipped the ball to Joshua Williams. Great coverage down the field. And Brian Cook wasn't having the best of nights. No, he had to be tested again. No, on that critical fourth down, where Joe Burrow just kind of heaved it to Jamar Chase in double coverage. Brian Cook didn't turn around. Brian Cook didn't make a play. And everybody blamed that last drive, that fourth down drive, on Brian Cook. Then he gets tested again, doesn't get flagged, tips the ball up in the air, Joshua Williams gets the pick. So there you go with Brian Cook and Joshua Williams. Now, Leo Chennault didn't have really that much of an impactful game, but anytime you can get more than three of your rookies to have meaningful snaps, that's important. You know, you go down to the sixth round, the seventh round, where you get Jalen Watson, had another interception, was great in coverage. Isaiah Pacheco, not great running the ball. I think he averaged less than three yards per carry, but thought he had a couple of big plays in the receiving game. So those are two of your sixth and seventh rounders. Nazi Johnson wasn't on the field, but look at how many of those guys performed. Had to step up, not just special teams roles. Yeah, Sky Moore had a special teams role, but you're talking about this defense. Karloftis, McDuffie, Watson, Williams, Brian Cook. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous at times. You have to almost pinch yourself in the fact that the Chiefs are running their organization like this. They didn't do it with the guys that usually step up in that secondary. Sneed was out. Now, they're not getting bailed out by the veterans in Justin Reed, Juan Thornhill. It was the rookies having to make the big-time plays. On the defensive line, yeah, it was Chris Jones wreaking havoc. But George Karloftis found out a way to make a play. He found a way to be around the ball. And that's why this team can get so much better. From right now to five years down the line. Because you can trust this front office to make those right picks in the later rounds. Who would have thought that Jalen Watson and Isaiah Pacheco would have big-time games in the postseason? Some people may have thought back during the draft, oh, those are practice squad guys, right? They'll be good depth pieces, but they're not going to get on the field. And now they're making plays in the biggest game of the season. So that young secondary, they're on my laundry list of, of approval ratings, I guess you could say. Patrick Mahomes has to be on the list with a bum ankle. Yeah, he had a, a careless, I wouldn't say a careless, but a head-scratching play where he fumbled the ball just trying to throw it on a swing pass which completely just halted all momentum. The Chiefs were driving and could have been the dagger drive. I call them dagger drives when you go and put the game on ice. And at midfield, Patrick Mahomes cocks the ball back, falls out of his hands, can't fall on the ball. Bengals get it, go down and score. But other than that, I thought he played pretty damn well for playing on one leg. 29-43, two touchdowns, no picks, 326 yards. A quarterback rating in the game of 105.4. MVS is on that list, of course. Six catches for 116. Travis Kelsey having that big touchdown on a fourth down where Patrick Mahomes having that connection just kind of heaved it up there. One-on-one. Go up and get it like a rebound. 
he is absolutely on my list of the approval ratings who get credit for winning this game for Kansas City. Harrison Butker gets a hell of a lot of credit to win this game. Andy Reid gets a lot of credit for the offensive scheme this team had. They could have crumbled when all those guys started dropping like flies. Tony, Hardman, Juju. They stayed the course. And they didn't fold in the final minutes. They didn't waver. Now, it may have been staggering a couple of times in the game, but never hit the mat. And they finally had the knockout punch on Cincinnati. And I think this defense and Steve Spagnuolo just deserved the world this morning. I mean, a unit that was heavily criticized. We've criticized this defense. We've criticized players on this defense. They stepped up, man. And I was not confident they would be able to. Because that offensive line for Cincinnati, though banged up, dominated Buffalo the week before. They showed no signs of being weak. They showed no signs of breaking down in the way they did last night. And I wouldn't even say they broke down. I think the Chiefs were just that much better up front. You know, being more prepared to play this Cincinnati team a fourth go-around. I mean, you got to think about it. If we were sitting here today and the Bengals won, how do you recover from that? 0-4 back-to-back years losing in the AFC Championship game at home and your five hosted AFC title games, you'd be under 500. that That'd be a tough pill to swallow. And yeah, we could take the time this week to break down the officiating. Were there some questionable calls? Absolutely. But you're never going to make it through an NFL playoff game without questioning some of the calls. Right? The phantom uh, play blown dead where the Chiefs got an extra third down and picked up a first down on the holding call on Eli Apple. But here's the thing. Uh, the Chiefs got no points out of it. Yeah, some clock ran. The Bengals lost some time, but I think that played into their favor. They didn't want to have the Chiefs have more time if they were to get the ball back. So the Chiefs punted. But the late hits, not a bad call. You're going to complain about holding calls, miss holding calls. That happens every single week. Nobody's going to be flagged for holding. Or not everybody's going to be flagged for holding on each play. That just happens. Sometimes you get away with it. If you're a veteran lineman, you know how to get away with holds. But the Chiefs won the turnover battle. They had more passing yards. They had more yards. They didn't make any errors on special teams. All around, they beat the Cincinnati Bengals head-to-head. Just straight up. Now You can complain about the officiating, as many fan bases do, because you don't want to point to what really happened in the game. You lost the game because the offense wasn't as sharp. Joe Burrow threw two picks. Joe Mixon didn't really run the ball that effectively. And he talked all week. So the Chiefs are rightfully so going to fire back. Chiefs a winner 23-20 in the AFC Championship game, moving on to their third Super Bowl in four years. And I think the craziest thing of this all, they traded away Tyreek Hill and are 16-3 and heading back to the Super Bowl. I don't think anybody could have predicted that, not even here in Kansas City. You thought good year, but a soft rebuild. To go through the AFC, a gauntlet of an AFC, to a gauntlet of your own division and what you thought, and be 16-3, and 16-3 and headed to the Super Bowl. It's just bonkers. Absurd that this team was able to do it. But still one more game on the slate, and there are going to be a lot of storylines leading up to it. The two one-seeds will meet in Arizona, the Super Bowl. The Kelsey brothers will play each other. Andy Reid playing Philly once again. Sirianni and Reid, Hurts and Mahomes, the first pair of black quarterbacks to start in the Super Bowl. Just a lot of great headlines going into this colossal showdown in Arizona. We'll have plenty to talk about over the next two weeks, but before we head to break here, Marco, I've rambled on for 25 minutes. I want to hear your takeaways on a couple of things here. You know, we could dive into Patrick Mahomes playing on a bum ankle. We could talk about Travis Kelsey screaming into the mic, having a big game, just being Travis Kelsey, or we can angle this to this defense and a defense that always is going to be criticized more than the offense. That's just the way it goes. It's not a fantastic unit. They have guys that talk, but at the end of the day, they showed up in a big, big way, getting after Joe Burrow, which we talked about needing to be the point of emphasis. You're not going to win the game if you didn't get pressure on Joe Burrow. You needed to win the turnover battle. They did both. Chris Jones, 10 pressures on the game, two sacks. You talk about Jalen Watson picking off Joe Burrow. Brian Cook and Joshua Williams comparing or combining to turn over Joe Burrow. Willie Gay, I thought, had a pretty damn good game after saying nothing impressed him about the Cincinnati offense. So if you were to grade, 
give a letter grade to this defense last night, what would you give that unit of 11 out there? Oh, man. Um, A minus. A minus. Um, not going to say a B plus. Could have been a B. Could, I, I'd understand why someone would give him a B plus, but at this stage and what they been what they what what they had to overcome as far as what they weren't able to do in the previous three matchups there was a lot of, there was a lot of eyes on Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense but there was more eyes on the Chiefs defense and what they were going to be able to do to stop the Bengals offense because that's what happened your offense wasn't at full strength and so a shootout wasn't something you would want to get in play with this Bengals team and so you want and so it was going to come down to a a a, a slug met a slug fest and the chiefs defense they played they they played damn near their best game of the season all i know that i know the Bengals and joe burrow they had that reputation in the playoffs of ha- of not getting able not being able to get to that 30 mark score over 25 or excuse me 27 points um but still that is a high powered offense that you have to respect especially after what they did in buffalo despite the weather conditions and the advantage that they had uh, at the line of scrimmage, and you pointed out the Chiefs. I agree. They won the battle at the line of scrimmage, both offensively and defensively. You can, you first of all, it was from the get go of how effective that defensive line was going to be against that against that banged up Cincinnati offensive line. And Burrow, uh, and they adjusted in the second half, and Burrow almost went unscathed um, until Chris Jones blew up the third down play. Uh, because they were able to get off more quick passes. They challenged that young uh, secondary of the Chiefs that was missing their leader in Legereus Sneed. So there was, although the defense came out and started off hot and it looked like that they were going to be rolling all four quarters like that, they didn't. And they had to find ways to win the football game without, if they they weren't going to put pressure on the quarterback, they were going to have to find a way to disrupt the Bengals' offense, and they did that by doing something that they had been that they struggled uh, all season to do, and that was force some turnovers and win that turnover battle, like you mentioned. So it was an A game from the Chiefs' defense. They needed they needed to have that type of game, and they brought out and they and they did it, and they. They, 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 um, they didn't shock me, but they definitely, um, made themselves a little bit more legitimate in my eyes now that they were able to do it against the level of competition that they, that they were able to do it against the guys that they had, that had their numbers. So a game from the defense yesterday, a, a, a game, cause they stepped up the moments that they needed to be. And even though the offense didn't do anything with the two turnovers that were forced, um, the fact that they still were able to turn the football over and get the stops that they needed to, like I meant, like like the Chris Jones sack um, to force fourth down and then the punt. Um, it's those moments there. They they picked up the sl- they picked up a lot of the slack yesterday uh, in that game. They set the tone. Uh, I don't think it's outlandish, crazy, overshooting it or overselling it. Uh, the Chiefs defense set the tone last night. Now, the offense moved the ball in their first two series, but guess what? They ended in six points. They had back-to-back field goals. The defense came out and just blew up that Cincinnati offensive line. First series of the game, crowds rocking. Frank Clark gets a sack. Passes Reggie White for all-time postseason sacks. I mean, he's been just an animal, a beast in the postseason. Next series, Joe Burrow gets sacked on three consecutive plays. That's setting the tone. The crowd was in full throat. There's a delay of game. Joe Burrow did look rattled. And Joe Cool looked a little bit off his game. But you always knew they were going to come back. You always knew they were going to settle in, be poised, score some points. But even the Chiefs' defense didn't allow him to throw the ball over him. In fact, on their touchdown drives, it just took a couple of great plays. T. Higgins going over the top of Jalen Watson for a touchdown. And then Jamar Chase catching a ball in Double coverage on fourth down, just a heave by Joe Burrow. There was very few busted coverage plays would seem to happen all season long. But that defense came through. They set the tone, and I think they won the game last night for the Kansas City Chiefs. We're going to continue our Chiefs talk when we come back. They're a winner last night, 23-20 over Cincinnati. 
We'll dive into more from the game and the NFC Championship game from yesterday afternoon. That's next on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN, Kansas City. Back here on The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. I'm your host, Jack Johnson, alongside Marco Marquez. A little over four months ago, we sat down in this studio. We hosted a show in the aftermath of the Chiefs losing to the Indianapolis Colts 20-17. Harrison Butker wasn't kicking in the game. They lost to Matt Ryan. Remember, Chris Jones was flagged for taunting that extended the drive that allowed the Colts to go down and win the game with a touchdown on a pass from Matt Ryan to Jelani Woods. Was that Wright or Amendola kicking? That was Amendola kicking in that game, and I believe that was the last time Matt Amendola put on a Chiefs uniform. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire ran the ball seven times for no yards. He did have a touchdown, but he never gained one yard on seven carries. In the receiving game, Juju Smith-Schuster led the team in receiving with five catches on 89 yards. Or 89 yards on five catches. Kelsey, 58 on four catches. MVS, 48 on four. Hilaire had 39 on five. Isaiah Pacheco had three carries for nine yards in the game, seven for 20 for McKinnon. We sat here in this studio and didn't want to overreact, but I think... All of us had that feeling of, there's no way uh, this team is going to make a run in the way they did. There's no way that Patrick Mahomes, without Tyreek Hill, is going to go on to dominate his division, have the number one seed, and get back to the Super Bowl. Not because he's not capable. Not because he's a great coach, a Hall of Fame coach in Andy Reid. Not because he has Travis Kelsey. It was because the Chiefs lost that game against the Colts because they didn't have Tyreek Hill. They didn't have the easy cop-out. They didn't have the cheat code and Tyreek Hill. They had to move the ball down the field with human-like receivers. That's the craziest thing of this all, is that Tyreek Hill almost wasn't human. You could throw him the ball on a five-yard outroad, he could take it 60 yards down the field. You weren't going to do that anymore with Juju and MVS. And from that game, little over four months ago, the Chiefs have lost two more times to the number two and number three seed in the AFC. And they've won 14 more. 16-3 and now and headed back to the Super Bowl. I mean, it's absurd what can change in that span. And there were times this season when the Chiefs won a game and we still said, I don't see how this team has that Super Bowl mentality, the killer mentality, the step-on-your-throat-and-twist-your-foot mentality. Against Denver, blowing a 27-0 lead making it close in the end, having to escape at a home game against Denver, having to use overtime to beat the Houston Texans and Davis Mills and Jeff Driscoll. How could you look at the Chiefs and actually think they're a Super Bowl team? There was no way you could have, especially not with the way Cincinnati was playing, especially not with the way Buffalo was playing. You didn't feel good about it. You wanted to take your chances because it always felt like the Chiefs team could step up to the plate and produce when in the postseason. Whether you doubted them or not, they're pretty damn good in the postseason. Number 15 is pretty damn good in the postseason. But the AFC has to be sitting down on the couch this morning or still laying down in their beds and going, how do we stop them? How does their reign of terror end? How can we prevent this from happening again? Everybody this offseason looked at the Chiefs and said they downgraded. You lose Tyreek Hill, a little bit of a soft rebuild. Now is the chance for a new up-and-coming king in the AFC to show themselves, to reveal themselves. Because the AFC West got a lot tougher. The Broncos sold their soul for Russell Wilson. The Chargers completely revamped their defense, added Khalil Mack, added J.C. Jackson, brought back Mike Williams on offense. The Raiders go out and get the number one receiver in the NFL in Devontae Adams. 
and you go, man, can the Chiefs even win their division? I don't think anybody in Kansas City doubted that, but people outside of that, the national media, they were not picking the Chiefs to repeat as AFC West champions. When you look at Buffalo bringing in Vaughn Miller, Cincinnati retaining their entire roster and their coaching staff, you know, Baltimore still being that team that could hang around. I don't think anybody looked at Kansas City and said they are going to be by far and away the Super Bowl favorite. They are going to win 16 games. I mean, 16 games is wild in its own. Winning your division is impressive. Being the one seed in the AFC is wildly impressive. Winning 16 games in 19 tries is ludicrous. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, without Tyreek Hill, had a better record this year than the last. Well, I think we were making our season predictions, what we thought the Chiefs would be. I want to say it was 12-5, and 13-4. and four. This team went 14-3 and three and won two home playoff games against Jacksonville, who is one of the hotter teams in the NFL, and Cincinnati, one of the hotter teams in the NFL. And now heading to the Super Bowl to take on the hottest team from the NFC side and the Philadelphia Eagles. It just goes to show you at times that we're living in this this fantasy almost. I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs, those same Chiefs who were 2-14 and 14 the year before Andy Reid took over, you know, had a front office that was in disarray, had an off-field tragedy that involved a murder-suicide with Javon Belcher, and now this team who had playoff heartache, heartbreak, over and over and over again in the most dramatic ways, blowing a 38-10 lead against the Indianapolis Colts, losing a game at home, and when you held your opponent to only field goals, you scored two touchdowns and allowed only field goals, six of them, to the Pittsburgh Steelers, and you lose that game. Losing to Tom Brady and Foxborough like many before you had done. Losing an AFC championship game which your defense just couldn't get off the field. Losing a game in which a quarterback completed a pass to himself like it was in the backyard, and his name was Marcus Mariota. The forward progress game. You lose in heartbreak fashion like that. The no-punt game against Indianapolis. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. The Lynn Elliott game. The kicker who shall not be named. I mean, you could spend an entire show breaking down the postseason heartbreak the Chiefs have suffered. And now, to see this franchise have the bare minimum of hosting an AFC Championship game under Patrick Mahomes. I mean, think about the type of fantasy world that is. Jesse Newell, who covers the Chiefs via the beat for the KC Star, had a very fascinating and intriguing tweet yesterday. That for a team at random to host five consecutive AFC or championship games, AFC, NFC, doesn't matter, the odds of that happening at random are roughly one in a million. One in a million. And Patrick Mahomes, all he's known as starter of the Kansas City Chiefs is playing home playoff games and at least making it to an AFC championship game. And the fact that now, in Kansas City, for your football team, it's considered a failure of a year if you lose in the AFC Championship game. Now, the job's not finished. Super Bowls are not just handed to you. It feels like at times they're handed to Kansas City just because of how easy they make it seem. But you make it to three Super Bowls, and your first five years as a starter, you have to win at least two. You got to get this one against Philly. But never, ever take this type of football for granted. We're not going to see anything like this again in Kansas City. This run, this reign of terror over the AFC. I mean, yes, you're hoping there are going to be Super Bowls down the road. But the way the Chiefs have dominated this conference now for the last five years is ridiculous. I mean, Chiefs fans go to the game every single Sunday and think, there's no way in hell we're losing. There's just no way. You could lose to the Bengals or the Bills at home or lose on the road, and you think it's an upset. 
The Chiefs are not favored right now in the Super Bowl against Philly. You lose that game, I think you'll feel, feel like it's an upset because that's how much faith you have in number 15, Patrick Mahomes. How much faith you have in Andy Reid. And to know that this year, after trading away a Hall of Fame receiver and your division upgraded and the conference upgraded and you still are the last one standing out of the AFC, I mean, what more can you ask for? You added tons of talent to the defense. You've maintained this coaching staff. You're now built for prolonged success. And yeah, there are things that could fall apart. There are things that could crumble, but the Chiefs have nearly done everything right since making Patrick Mahomes a starter, making him happy, keeping him happy, and making sure this team doesn't bottom out after one Super Bowl win. There's no telling what's in store for the future, but you have to feel like the future is pretty damn bright. I think everybody was already well aware of that, but you're talking about a decade plus of just having good football teams because this front office knows how to knows how to reload. Continue to pay guys when you need to pay them and trade away guys when you can't pay them and get value out of those guys. And I think last night, it all kind of came to a head. It all was blown up in front of a national audience. The Chiefs know how to assemble a team. And it's why year in, year out, they're in that championship game. It's why for three of the last four years, they've been in the Super Bowl. They know how to construct a roster, and it starts with getting that franchise quarterback. None of this happens without number 15. But also, there's lots of praise to go around. None of this happens without Andy Reid, without Steve Spagnuolo, without Brett Veach, without Mark Donovan, without Clark Hunt. None of this can happen without having a well-structured foundation. You don't have it. If there's cracks in the foundation, it's going to blow up in your face. It's going to be exposed on national television. That stuff can just happen. But the Chiefs are the team that has the solid or most solid foundation, I believe, in the NFL. may sound biased, but you find me another team that's hosted five consecutive AFC Championship games and has won three of them. Yeah, New England made it to six, I believe it was, but that was between home and away. They didn't host five consecutive. Now, you need, you want to get to that level of success. You want to build a dynasty, and I think if you do win the Super Bowl on February 12th, that does count as a dynasty, I feel like. Two Super Bowls in five years, and probably a favorite to win another one next year. I mean, you tell me what really is a dynasty. It feels like right now there definitely is in the makings of one, but first things first, got to take care of business. Now, you can celebrate this win, but it's now about focusing on the Philadelphia Eagles and getting your second Super Bowl in the last three years. Or I guess that'd be four years now. Sometimes the years all blend together. I feel like the Chiefs have always been there. But yes, you've been to three Super Bowls now. One and one in the first two, and you're hoping you're a lot healthier, a hell of a lot healthier than the last time around. Marco, uh, I think speaking of Patrick Mahomes, this front office as a whole, how much of the structure was shown last night in the next man up? I feel like if you don't have a good structure, you don't have a good depth, right? You have top guys, and when those guys aren't in the game, you really start to expose the flaws of the front office, that they can't draft very well. They can't scout guys very well. And you go to the field, right, of Patrick Mahomes. You know, when he's dealing with backups, third stringers, four stringers, he may not be very good anymore. But he showed last night throwing passes to Marcus Kemp, throwing passes to Sky Moore, to MVS, making MVS a 100-plus yard receiver last night in the game. I mean, that's what franchise Hall of Fame quarterbacks do. Front offices assemble a team like that when you have a great foundation. So my question to you is, last night, was that maybe the biggest game in showing how important it is to have that structure more so than any others in the previous five years with Patrick Mahomes? It felt like last night, with as many injuries as there were and how many rookies were on the field, that showed more than any other game that the front office has built the most solid foundation in the NFL. That tonight felt like, or last night, that felt like that was the game for me. What say you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Ten rookies on the active roster. Uh, How can it not not be? Because at the end of the day, these are guys that are going to be growing around Patrick Mahomes, already growing around him in the veterans on this team who are under contract at least through the remainder of whatever the rookie contract 
how are the length of the con- uh, their contracts go on for? So, I I just don't see I just don't see how it's not for how much of an impact the rookies had, not only in last night's game but in the just the playoffs so far the, the two games that the Chiefs had. Um, <laughs> it's it's dangerous when you have a rookie class perform to the level that they had to and had to come in and step up and fill in roles that you wouldn't necessarily ask a seventh-round rookie or a day-three draft-day rookie. It's it's just a credit to Brett Veach's scout team of the talent that they are able to find, the value that they're able to find them at. But that's... This this draft class here is a is a testament to what kind of GM Brett Veach is, and that's why they had the confidence and the, the cojones to trade Tyree Kill this offseason and be okay, knowing that they had a game, they had a plan for life without Tyree Kill, and they'll probably tell you they didn't exceed expectations, but I think it's I think it's clear that I. The fan in me expected them to be back in the Super Bowl, but it wouldn't have been. It wouldn't have surprised me if they didn't make it, and I wouldn't have been. I, it would be upsetting that they would have lost yesterday to the Bengals, but it wouldn't have been as upsetting as last year because at the end of the day, it's. Oh, it would have been a respectable loss to Cincinnati, but it's so good that you don't. That we're not having that conversation. But yeah, it, it, going back to what you said, it, yesterday's game was a testament to. Brett Veach and what he's able to do as a GM with fi- with finding value in the draft, but also talent too. Think about the pressure this team had all season long, even without Tyreek Hill. Right, you had to win your division, had to get the one seed. When you were in the postseason, you couldn't lose to Jacksonville. No way in hell you could lose to Cincinnati. They came through every single time. Now for the other game, the NFC Championship game, the first game on the Sunday slate from yesterday was not entertaining whatsoever. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles just blew the doors off the 49ers, and let's take that with a grain of salt. So the Eagles won both their postseason games, 31-7. Defense was great, shut down the 49ers, but uh, the 49ers were playing Christian McCaffrey at quarterback by the end of the game. Not that can take away what the Eagles did. You can't control who's at quarterback for the other team, but Brock Purdy hurt his elbow on the first series of the game. The Philadelphia Eagles offense... Had a better game plan, the 49ers. They took advantage of a turnovers. You know, it was a low-scoring game up until about three or four minutes to go in the second second quarter. You now the 49ers defense kind of kept the running game in check. Jalen Hurts wasn't really throwing the ball down the field. They had the one fourth down conversion to Devontae Smith, who actually dropped the ball, just wasn't reviewed. But then once it sort of became apparent the 49ers were not going to score any points, with Josh Johnson at quarterback. Now, they did get one rushing touchdown from Christian McCaffrey with Josh Johnson in the game at quarterback, but that was it. After that, turnovers, a fumbled snap, you know, just miscommunication all over the field. And even the 49ers offensive line tried its best to keep that Eagles pass rush at bay, but when you have such a limited quarterback, there's not much you can do. And it's unfortunate for the 49ers, a team that was so damn good all season long, hadn't lost since that Week 7 game against Kansas City. And they go into that game with Brock Purdy as their quarterback. And once he's out, you have Josh Johnson out there. They had five players this year, five, take snaps at quarterback, one of them being a running back. That just happens in the NFL. Now, I think as a Chiefs fan, I think part of me wanted to see Philly because you want the best possible matchup. I want to have the most storylines. I want to see Hurts versus Mahomes and not Brock Purdy versus Mahomes. I don't want to have a rematch of the same team you faced in the Super Bowl in 2020. I always want to play a different team, different storylines, different matchups, different things to go off of, different things to talk about here on sports radio. And Jalen Hurts versus Mahomes, two guys that were top MVP candidates, that feels very fitting. But to me, uh, this Eagles team is damn good. I think it will be an offensive attack that's not as scary as maybe 31-7 to will tell you. I think this Eagles defense is the best they'll face in the postseason by far and away. Hell, it may be the best defense they'll face all season long, which is fitting when you play a team in the Super Bowl. There's no gimmies in the Super Bowl. The Chiefs offensive line is going to be tested again. 
They were great last night. They'll have another test on February 12th. But it really is, to me, a more confident matchup if you're a Chiefs fan, if you're in Kansas City, just involved the media covering the team, or just love to watch the Chiefs play. I think the Bengals were the scariest matchup for you. Now, I thought the same exact thing last year when you beat Buffalo. So you beat Buffalo, that's the scariest team you faced. You can beat the Bengals and go on to the Super Bowl and beat whoever the hell makes it out of there. It wasn't the case. You lose the Bengals. So you never want to overlook a team, but I think right now those two 31-7 wins against the Giants and a 49ers team that had Josh Johnson at quarterback, I feel pretty good about where the Chiefs are at. At least the early indications. Oh, you are a little bit banged up too, but man. Uh, what I saw yesterday in both those games, I saw a Chiefs team that dealt with adversity, was resilient. Maybe that sounds biased because we're here in Kansas City, but to overcome what you had to overcome all week long, that's impressive in its own. I think the Eagles have just sort of curb-stomped everybody. They haven't really dealt with the adversity. Their schedule hasn't been that tough. But hey, you win games in the NFL, that's tough to do in its own. So you have a Titan-like team on the NFC side and a Titan-like team on the AFC side. No, the Eagles, they haven't been to the Super Bowl since 2018 when Nick Foles led them to the promised land over Tom Brady and the Patriots, the Philly special game, and now they're back with a new era of Philly football. Nick Sirianni, you know, a very fiery, passionate coach, and Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell, Dallas Goddard, and that Eagles pass rush. Going to be playing Andy Reid, the former Philly Eagle the calm, zen personality against Patrick Mahomes, the most decorated young quarterback in the NFL right now, and Travis Kelsey, and that offensive line, and Chris Jones, and that young secondary, and the Kelsey brothers going head-to-head. Just a great Super Bowl match of the two one-seas, the two teams that belong to be there, but that's not for, I guess, two weeks now. So we'll have a lot of Chiefs talk this week and next week leading up to that Super Bowl matchup in Arizona. All right, real quickly, some Factor Fiction, five questions, five takes, and well under five minutes. Marco, fire away. Factor Fiction, Chris Jones retires the Chief. Uh, I think the Chiefs do want to keep him there. I think after last night you need to make him a Chief for life. But because I'm feeling optimistic about that, I'll go Factor. I think Chris Jones only plays for the Chiefs in his career. Chiefs will be favored by kickoff in the Super Bowl. I'm going to go fiction on this because the Eagles aren't going to be that banged up going into the game right now. They're a two-point favorite. The Chiefs will probably be a little bit more banged up than them, but no problem with me. I'm all right with the Chiefs being an underdog in this game. Factor fiction, Patrick Mahomes will not play a road postseason game before 2025. It's hard to argue that the Chiefs will not get the one seed, but I feel like one of these years somebody will just have the top seed over them, but they also have to make it to the AFC Championship game if they expect to put Kansas City on the road. But I think uh, fiction there, he will play in one road postseason game in the next two years. 49ers do not start Brock Purdy next year. <sighs> I'll go fiction on that. I think they do start him because I don't see them bringing back Jimmy G. I think they'll trade Trey Lance to get some value there, and I think Brock Purdy will be the starter of the 49ers. Factor fiction, KU and K-State will finish first and second in the Big 12. Fiction, I think somebody will probably finish third or fourth. Not really sure where to go with that yet, but we will have plenty to get into with that colossal showdown tomorrow night at Allen Fieldhouse, the Sunflower Showdown, KU and K-State both in the top 10 should be a fun one. But there is Ray Charles, so it's time to go. That wraps up another edition of The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. I've been your host, Jack Johnson, alongside Marco Marquez. We'll talk tomorrow at 10 AM. You take it easy, Kansas City.